The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers, I used to go as a kid, wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe, the Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing, learn more about the all new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com, call 562-314-4603 for complete details. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast. Week 10 Sunday action in the books. This is the recap show. I'm Will Brinson, the host of this party, whatever you want to call it, party, podcast party. Soiree. Soiree. The, uh, the, the delightful uh, voice you hear there, John Breach, joining us from Stamford, Connecticut, where he just did a bunch of video all day on CBS Sports HQ. I got a great screenshot watching you, uh, watching you, uh, put your talents out there, John Breach. And, uh, also, of course, on the phone, slugging red wine, Sean Wagner, and, uh, complaining about things, Ryan Wilson. <laughs> Wrong. <laughs> Faux clown. <laughs> okay, boomer. <laughs> the, I've been getting pelted with okay boomer tweets for the oh, past. Just, oh, just you wait. Just you wait. Just wait till what? Just saying, you're talking to a millennial on this podcast. Just, just you wait until I start disagreeing with you. Brinson's a millennial. That's the irony of this whole thing. We got a millennial getting okay boomered by Generation Z. I mean, it's, it's exploding. Yeah. Uh, all right. Let's get to the football games. We got a lot to cover. We don't need to spend an hour and 31 minutes doing it. Vikings 28, Cowboys 24. Vikings cover the plus three. They went out right. The over gets smashed, although it ended up. Uh, the scoring slowed down a little bit there at the end. Dak Prescott has a huge night, 31 fantasy points. The uh, the Cowboys quarterback looked outstanding. He went 28 of 46 with 397 passing yards, three touchdowns, one interception, which was on a Hail Mary at the end, so it shouldn't count. Uh, but unfortunately, he was held back, Sean, by the man, the myth, the coaching legend, Jason Garrett. Yep, and for anyone who didn't watch this game, I mean, this game pretty much came down to Dallas ball inside their own 10-yard line, I want to say, uh, with about four minutes left in the game. And th- I actually thought they were down four. Um, I think Rand's saying five minutes left in this game. Sorry, no, right. at the five-yard line. That's where it comes. Oh, okay. Um, and I was actually thinking, because they were down four, I was like, this is perfect, because we watched them the entire game run the ball on first down every single time. Zeke was not having a good game. Uh, the running game could not get anything going. I was like, this is perfect because now they just have to throw the ball. And Dak was on fire. And sure enough, they come out and they throw a 20-yard pass to Randall Cobb, a 10-yard pass to Amari Cooper. And they march right down the field, throwing the ball, throwing the ball, throwing the ball until they get to the 11-yard line with a minute and a half left. And they run Zeke up the middle on second down, no gain. 
And it seemed understandable at first because you're like, okay, they're trying to bleed time, make the Vikings use their timeouts, you know, waste that. On third and two, they run again, this time off the left side, and Dak loses three yards. And suddenly they were driving and could not be stopped, and it's fourth and five, and then Dak does an incomplete pass. And to me, this was just like the perfect example of if this team was coached by, say, John Harbaugh, and like we watch the Ravens every single week be aggressive uh, and put their offense in the best position to succeed, this would be a Super Bowl contender. And Jason Garrett com- continues to hold them back. And the final mistake was the Cowboys actually got the ball back um, with about 20 seconds left. And you could tell that Randall Cobb, the punt returner, was told to fair catch the ball. Um, and he ends up fair catching the ball at their own 40-yard line when he has, if you look at the replays, at least 15 yards of space. He might return it all the way because he, he had a lot of blockers and there was no one around him. And so this was a failure, I think, by the coaching staff. And they also kicked – typical Jason Garrett kicked field goals when they didn't need to and pot in when they didn't need to. So it was just a complete failure by Jason Garrett. It was uh, one. One, it was Zeke Elliott who ran the ball and lost their yards, and two, it was Tavon Austin who returned it, not Randall Cobb. Right. Just on the the lost three yards. I thought he said. Okay, Boomer. See. Yeah. <laughs> but here's here's the first thing that I wrote down when I was watching this game before the drive. Sean just um, laid out. Why did Jason Garrett kick a field goal to make it twenty eight twenty four? It's twenty eight twenty one. You're at the five yard line. I think it was fourth and four or something. Just go for it, dummy. You kick a field goal from 28-21 to make it 28-24. It doesn't matter. So instead of – even if you don't get it, Minnesota gets the ball at the five-yard line. Instead, they got the ball at the 25 when they kicked off. They had an eight-play, 25-yard drive that took five and a half minutes off the clock down to four, four minutes and 34 seconds left, and that picks up where Sean talked about that last drive where Dak went off. It's so incredibly stupid. So that's my big takeaway from the Cowboys side of it. My other question is someone tweeted this, and it's a, it's a good point. Jason Garrett's been there almost 10 years, I think. Has anyone ever seen him talking to his headset whenever the camera flashes to him? He just stands there and looks like someone's about to hit him in the face with a baseball bat, and he just doesn't move. That's, That's all great. he does. I've never <laughs> seen him say anything on his headset. I feel like the coaching staff, Jerry Jones, knows what he has with Garrett, so they just give Garrett a headset that doesn't actually have a wire or any communication just so he looks like the coach. So he seems like he's doing something when, in fact, he's actually not. Because uh, I think Sean hit the nail on the head there with – why are you running it to Zeke two times in that pivotal second-to-last drive when Dak Prescott took you all the way down the field? But I will not roast Derek or uh, Garrett on the punt return only because that became a fine argument of how much time you have left. Like, I agree that he they should have called a return, but with 18 seconds left, let's say he returns at 30 yards but takes 11 seconds off, 12 seconds off the clock. You're down to one play, uh, so you have to kind of decide – how much time you want to have left. With 18 seconds, you have time to run three plays, but if you do have a successful punt return that doesn't go for a touchdown, you might get knocked down to one play. So I do understand why they did that, even though I, I didn't agree with it. Uh, by the way, here's Jason Garrett asked, uh, and you could have watched this on CBS Sports HQ right before John Breach appeared, being asked about um, why he likes to uh, run the, when they had the fourth quarter turnover on downs, the, the drive that Sean mentioned. You know, Dak obviously had brought you all the way down the field. In normal situations, second and two, Zeke's probably an easy call, but Dak had the hot hand. How much does that play into the play, uh, go into the play calling? Yeah, again, uh, you, you want to attack different ways. Uh, it's important for us to continue to try to run the ball. You know, in normal circumstances, <laughs> you would think if we give it to Zeke a couple times, you know, second and inside of two yards, that we're going to make that, we're going to make that, that first down. Unfortunately, it didn't happen in this game. And, uh, you know, we got to that fourth down situation. We couldn't convert. 
It's amazing to me because you hear him talk after this game. And again, you could have watched him talk about it on CBS Sports HQ, our 24-7 live streaming source network, available on Roku Fire, Amazon, Apple TV, everywhere else, cbssports.com slash live, right before John Breach analyzed the game. This this team, it, it's crazy. Like, they're so conservative. They are so scared to unleash Dak. By and, the way, Brinson, to add to your point, the Cowboys ran on five straight times on first down in the first two series. <laughs> and now they're in a position where at five and four, they're tied for first place with the Eagles. I mean, this team was rolling to start the season. It looked like Dak might be the MVP. It looked like they were going to run away with the division. If you're Philadelphia, you're looking around, you're like, this has been an incredible week for us. We beat the Bills, we're going on our bye, and now we're tied with the Eagles, and we probably thought we were in trouble. And when you start looking at the schedules, the um, Eagles have a much easier schedule, I believe. Uh, looking ahead for Philadelphia, they get, well, the Patriots are hard, the Seahawks. <laughs> Patriots, Seahawks, but they're at Dolphins, Giants at Redskins, Cowboys at Giants. That's a very friendly schedule for the Cowboys. What's so funny, Sean? Oh, just looking at Breach Rearrange's camera. Yeah. The Cowboys are at Lions, at Patriots, then have Bills at Bears, Rams at Eagles and Redskins. That's a much more difficult schedule. And like I think you have to look at the Cowboys and wonder, are they in trouble? The defense played pretty well, but I don't think the defense is good unless they're winning. Like, they need to be able to, like, be up, and they have to run the ball, and then they pin their ears back and get after the pass rusher. So I, I'm concerned about that team. I think, you know, they just got freaking Jason Garrett out there, and he stinks. Um, conversely, Breach, the Vikings won. They looked awesome. Davin Cook's the best running back in football. And Kirk Cousins won on primetime, didn't he? He did, which was so surprising because, look, Kirk Cousins going into this game, you're like, he's going to be horrible. It's primetime. He's going to be horrible. They're playing a team with a winning record. There's no way he could possibly be good. And you know Mike Zimmer knows all of this because he always gives these vague answers when he's asked about Kirk Cousins. Like, well, we'll see if he can do better next time. And and he's been kind of resigned to the fact that Kirk Cousins can't play well against a good team. So it felt like they drew up this game plan where he couldn't not succeed. Hey, let's just call a bunch of screens. Let's dump it off to Dalvin Cook. Let's make a bunch of safe plays that we know Kirk can pull off because nobody does safe plays better than Kirk Cousins. And what did he do? He lit it up in the first quarter with two touchdown passes. And then we saw in the second half, once the Vikings get a lead, that's exactly how Mike Zimmer wants to play football. He wants to run it on every down and let his defense win the game. Cousins threw for 220 yards. Only 50 of those yards came in the second half. And so we have seen Kirk Cousins make some ugly second-half mistakes uh, whether it's interception, lost fumble. Sean pointed out last week that he has never won a game with the Vikings while trailing in the fourth quarter. Well, he wasn't trailing in the fourth quarter in this game. Zimmer kind of – they made it sure to take it out of Cousins' hands in the second half and put it in Dalvin Cook's hands, and it all worked. And so I thought the, everything the Vikings did was pretty brilliant in this game. By the way, did you hear uh, Michelle Tafoya after the game, the question she asked her Cousins? <laughs> she's like, she's like, no, Kirk, there's a lot of things being said. You really beat a winning here. I think I've got a, a clip of it. Liam, thanks. Kurt, people like to talk an awful lot about what you can't do. But tonight you come on the road, you beat a winning team. I mean, credit to Kurt Cousins because he took the high road. He's like, well, that's interesting. She was like, people like to talk about what you can't do. And you went on the road and beat a winning team. Basically saying like, hey, Kurt, you suck. And uh, tonight you didn't stink. So congratulations for that. Um, I think the Vikings are legit. Let me just say this. Before uh, Jason Garrett decided to kick a field goal to make it 28-24, <laughs> I 
Uh, Mike Zimmer went for it on fourth and two from the two-yard line with Dalvin Cook, his best player, for a touchdown. Yep. I don't know if he hesitated or not. I don't care. He at least – he was less conservative than Jason Garrett. And Jason Garrett, by the way, based on what Breach was just saying about just being a fake coach, I'm going to start calling him the Manchurian Candidate because that's his nickname. He just stands there like a dope. You don't remember the Manchurian Candidate? I do. It's just, it's just kind of long. It's just kind of long. and Liam Schreiber awkward. or Angela Lansbury for the old-timers. Not a great nickname. Yeah. He we understand exactly the idea. That's exactly what he is. The Garchurian Candidate. There you go. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I, no, like they, they got the, the the Cowboys got that stuff, and it looked like they were gonna they looked like they were gonna stop them, and then Mike Zimmer put put it on the table and went for it. I was very impressed. Uh, huge game for huge game for uh, Minnesota. They now have the Broncos at home, and then their Week Twelve bye. That's a really like they should beat the Broncos because the Broncos are terrible. I'm starting Brandon Allen. The Vikings have a great home field advantage. So you think you get to eight and three with that Week Twelve bye? That is enormous. That's such a late season buy. If you're playing well, it's so huge. And they have the Seahawks, Lions, Chargers, Packers, and Bears with three of those games at home um, to close out. And you just feel like the sense of confidence that Kirk Cousins got for playing well in prime time on the road in a hostile environment, like that should carry over for the next few weeks. And so I, I would be, I, w- I was very impressed with the job that Kevin Stefanski did too, calling the calling plays in that game because he used a ton of play action. Got Dalvin Cook involved in the passing game. Very smart stuff. Yeah, and Brinson, just to toss on what you were saying is that right now the Vikings are the sixth seed and they are two games ahead of the seventh seed. Like that is a huge cushion to have with only seven games left to play. So even if they went say four and three uh, the rest of the way in those seven games, the Rams would have to go six and one to catch them. So. I mean, they're in a perfect to, to pick up two games on the Vikings. Any five and four team would have to go six and one if the Vikings just went four and three. Well, so, the, the Vikings only have five. Uh, they only have, they have six or ten. Yeah, yeah. So if the Vikings went three and three, yeah, that one of those five and four teams would basically have to go six and one yep. to get up there, and, and then that's a lot to ask. So I mean, if they only win three more games, that's they basically got a playoff berth locked up. I don't. So I actually. I don't even think that's a question. Like I feel like to your point. I think they are a lock to make the playoffs. Like it would be truly shocking if they miss the playoffs. The concern I have is they got to win the division. Um, and obviously with Green Bay winning their game back, the Vikings already lost to Green Bay earlier this year, which means the best they can do in the head-to-head tiebreaker is tie them if they beat them in Week 16. The second tiebreaker is division record, right? Yep. And Green Bay right now is three and zero in the division, and Minnesota is one and two in the division. So that might end up mattering come come January. Yeah, the Vikings the Vikings are going to need help from somebody else to catch Green Bay, like the Bears or the Lions. And they're going to have to beat the Packers, obviously, in Week 16. Right, right, clearly. Um, but yeah, they they should make it. I mean, I almost think that uh, it's more likely that a team like the Panthers, who's five and four, um, like I, like I, I think it's probably likely that the Cowboys or Eagles, one of those teams will get in. Whoever wins the division will get in. Um, and then the Panthers are really the other team that's lurking there at five and four, along with the Rams who just lost too. But like, you know, they're, they're, those teams are going like, to need to make a divisional run. And so Carolina can do it potentially against the Saints because they have two games left or two games back. But that's a, that's a, it's an uphill battle. So yeah, the Vikings are in great shape for that. Um, and pulling that off. Speaking of crazy divisions, I don't know if you guys know this. But the freaking Raiders are one game back of the Chiefs because the Chiefs, your precious little prince that was promised, Sean. He was Patrick, phenomenal. Yeah, Patrick Mahomes is great. 
MVP. <laughs> Patrick Mahomes, the uh, last year's reigning MVP. I, I, I love Patrick Mahomes. I don't let Sean trick you to think I don't like him. Uh, he had a monster game. He went into Tennessee, into Nashville, and he threw for over 440 yards, 446 to be exact, 36 of 50, three touchdowns, no interceptions. Damian Williams, 19 carries, 77 yards. Sammy Watkins, two carries, 12 yards. Also had, uh, I don't know, like 30 less receiving yards than Devontae Parker. And Tyreek Hill had a monster game, 11 catches, 157 yards, and one touchdown. Travis Kelsey, seven targets, seven catches, 75 yards, one touchdown. Nico Hardman had a 63-yard touchdown. But Breach, this game got crazy at the end with the Tennessee Titans pulling off a wild win next to Ryan Tannehill throwing a deep like the Ryan Tannehill playing his tail off two passing touchdowns Derrick Henry had two rushing touchdowns 23 carries 188 yards um Tannehill played great at the end they got a, a fault was it a fault it was a fumbled snap by the Chiefs kicker followed by intentional grounding on Dustin Colquitt I've never seen a holder called for intentional grounding uh, then the Titans go down and score, and they block a field goal by the Chiefs at the end to tie it up. Yeah, and you know what's funny is that the ending was absolutely bonkers, but the one thing that kind of gets overlooked because of how crazy it was was that the Chiefs could have won this game if they converted a third and two. They had a third and two from the Titans' 24 uh, if they with, I think, a minute and 25, minute and 30 seconds left. And if they get that third and two, it's game over. They just kneel the ball. They go home with a win, and they don't have to worry about Ryan Tannehill uh, just destroying them. But they didn't get it. And so uh, the end hey, John, of this game. So yeah. what happened was Tennessee had one timeout left, and Patrick Mahomes rolled right. And instead of throwing it out of bounds because he wanted Tennessee to presumably use their last timeout, he just slid for a five-yard loss. So then Tennessee used their timeout with 136 left. Had to set up that field goal, and then all the crazy stuff happened that Brett just talked about. And again, and you know why Mahomes did that? Because he's like, getting the Titans to use their final timeout is more important than anything because there's no way Ryan Tannehill is going to beat that. You, you know, Ryan Tannehill with no timeouts in a minute 21 seconds on the clock, and he has to drive 61 yards. That's like a 4% chance scenario. And, uh, you know, boom. I bet Mike Vrabel feels pretty good about benching Marcus Mariota right now. Sean, don't forget, Mahomes got them in field goal range. Again, at the end. And then the, and it was blocked. That's right. Did somebody so, jump off sides in the Titans play? I, I, people thought, that. but then if you actually look at it and freeze it, I think he just got a perfect jump. I don't think it was actually offside. It was close, though. The The thing that annoyed me, and we've been talking about this, I mean, since last year, obviously, Andy Reid's entire career, is, I mean, we're, we're dogging Jason Garrett for the way he mismanaged things. Andy Reid kicked three field goals in this game on fourth and three and less deep in Titans territory. When you have Patrick Mahomes, why are you kicking field goals on fourth and two at the 12-yard line? It, that doesn't make any, any any sense to me. And we're talking about Chiefs' mistakes. It looked like they were going to blow out the Titans in the first half. And then Damian Williams has a fumble that has returned the distance from the Titans. Mahomes also missed Tyreek Hill on a deep touchdown. I think that would have put them up 17 nothing at the time. I thought he looked a little bit rusty, actually, in the very beginning. He actually should have been picked off twice on the first series. Um, the Titans dropped it both times. He obviously grew into the game. and He was phenomenal. The loss isn't on him. But it, it, the Chiefs season eventually comes down to when they get to the playoffs, is can is Mahomes good enough to over, overcome Andy Reid's game management decisions? Because uh, as the last year and a half has proven, it, Andy Reid's not getting better at this stuff. It, he's gotten but he has, stayed the same. He has a ton of redeeming qualities, unlike Jason. Yeah, 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 yeah. Zero redeeming qualities, other than he can stand super still in case you're trying to avoid being detected by a Demogorgon or something. What would the Cowboys' record be if Andy uh, Reid was the coach and if Jason Garrett was the coach of the Chiefs? 
The Chiefs would be 0 and 10. <laughs> and what are the Cowboys now? 5 and 4? They'd have at least two more wins, I feel like. They'd right? be like, yeah, 8 and 2, I feel like. And, uh, Damian Williams would have 900 rushing attempts. And Patrick Mahomes <laughs> would be like, His legs would fall off. Yeah. Like, we, we, yeah. Uh, by the way, Taylor Lewan, uh, Titans left tackle, was like fired up after the game. Um, I don't think he had that many penalties. I only counted three. He had a uh, one rough pass. One was that? Just only. only there, are bunch, there are a bunch of penalties in this game. Uh, but he had a he had a, 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 a unnecessary roughness, a holding call, and a false start. And uh, he blamed himself. He was, he was asked about it. He said, "Before we even start this whole thing, my penalties are a problem. I am 100 percent an issue with that. It's not intentional. I do not mean to do it." I, my intentions are good. I'm just trying to finish. And it's killing the team. And I know that. You guys need to know that. No one needs to call me out or anything because I, I, I got it, boys. I am completely screwing the team with the amount of penalties I've had in these last, what, six games? It's crazy. It's, it's, it's horrible. I cannot get penalties. I'm sorry. There's no need to ask about it because I know I'm an absolute liability when it comes to penalties. I love this. Can I, of it. Yeah. can I add something here? If you replace penalties with poor decisions, and Jason Garrett said that at the podium, he would get immediately a 10-year contract and a raise in Cowboys fans. But thank God he at least understands that he's a moron when it comes to being a coach. I'm killing this team with my poor decisions. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. No crap. Do, do we buy, buy or sell um, the Titans as a playoff team? Sell. Buy. I, here's bye, the, bye, bye. Look, um, Tannehill only had, I think he was 13 for 19, 13 for 18, something like that. 13 for 19, 100. But that last drive, that throw to Humphreys was legit. And part of me wonders, is he going to be the quarterback next year? Well, all right. Yeah, that's a great point. Like, what what do we think of Ryan Tannehill now in this Ryan Tannehill 2.0? I said, like, <laughs> it doesn't exactly reflect well on Adam Gase, like everything else. Or Marcus Mariota. No, I actually wrote about this in the quarterback power rankings because Tannehill has been playing well. This entire time we've been like, oh, Adam Gase has been held back by his quarterbacks. Who has he had? Like Tannehill's not. We can't judge Gase off Tannehill. And now it's like maybe it was the other way around. Maybe Tannehill hasn't been given a fair shot because he was stuck with Adam Gase. I mean, Tannehill's, look, he's a former top 10 overall pick. I mean, he, he has a pedigree. He's a great athlete. He seems to fit well in the system. Like, you're not asking too much of him. I, I I wouldn't be that surprised if they made the playoffs as a wild card in the AFC. Yeah, I think it's completely possible. You look at their 5-5. Five and five, They still play the Raiders, and there's no reason they can't win that game. Obviously, the Steelers are up there. But, uh, you know, it's going to be – they have four divisional games over the last, I think, six weeks. So they play the Texans twice, the Jags, and the Colts. With that schedule, you play the Texans twice and you beat them twice, maybe you have a shot at still winning the division. That's probably crazy talk from me being in Connecticut, but it's not that crazy, right? Somebody? Yeah, Titans, hey, Titans are 3-1 and one since Tannehill Hill took over. Three game-winning drives in that span. Come on. That you want to buy in. You want to buy in, Sean. Buy into Tannehill. Yes. I actually No, I buy into Tannehill, I think, if not in Tennessee – he should at the very least be competing for a job over the summer. I don't buy it. I mean, this Titans team the last two years is the most confusing it be, team. It would be an insult to Ryan Tannehill to make him compete with Mitchell Trubisky. Yeah. I would take Ryan Tannehill over Mitchell Trubisky in a heartbeat. You would take anyone over Mitchell Trubisky. <laughs> and you know what's funny, because we just mentioned Gase, is that Adam Gase also had Matt Moore 
who had a lot of success with the Chiefs the last few weeks, but none with Adam Gase. So this whole game was an indictment on Adam's Gate, Adam Gase's. Imagine what Sam Darnold would do in Kansas City. <laughs> yeah. I mean, anybody in Kansas City. Um, Andy Dalton. What's your panic meter on the Chiefs, Sean? Not low. Low. I mean, and I don't want to be disrespectful to the Raiders, but if the Chargers were playing as well as they should have, I would be concerned, but the Chargers aren't, and the Chargers aren't a threat because Philip Rivers is washed and he's doo-doo now. Um, I don't think the Raiders can go into Arrowhead. Or doo-doo! I know. I I actually like Philip Rivers. I was just doing that to troll Brinson one more time. No, I'm not worried about them. Um, This was such a fluky loss, and they already have a win – they already kind of bought a win. By so they're winning the, the division, but their defense sucks. Here's the thing is, yes, I'm not saying their defense is good. The thing is, is that against the pass this year, they've been actually really good. They entered the week 11th in DVOA overall. And look, 11th in DVOA is like so far off from the top teams because if you look at the disparity between the top teams and everyone else, they're it's right just front. they're so bad against the run. Right. They were like they're like 29th against the run, but actually pretty good against the pass. But, and that's a problem. But I don't know if you're good against the pass so much as like you're just not being passed on because everyone runs on you. Did you see the clown, the faux clown who – um Tweet like tweeted at me like last week. He's like, "You're an a hole. Think you go on CBS Sports and talk about the Chiefs? The defense is great now, moron. You're gonna see it." And then he was like, "We shut down Dalvin Cook and we're gonna shut down Derrick Henry. Screw you!" And then like the second the Chiefs lost, I like went and found the tweets and, and just went after him. Of okay. course, you went and found. I him. loved what Brinson did. He Brinson picked the Titans over the Chiefs this week. Him and Prisco. And if I was Brinson, I would have done the same thing. I would have gone through every single tweet of every Chiefs fan that trash-talked me and said there was no way the Titans were going to win. Brinson, you call it out a lot. I would have done the same thing. And actually, I picked the Titans, too, and I changed my mind on Friday and switched Ooh. to the Chiefs. Mm. Uh, the Titans are averaging 10 more points per game over their past four games they did in their first six, um, as well as 72 yards per game. Completion percentage up nine points. This is obviously the split with Brian Tannehill and, and, and Marcus Mariota. Um, and they're converting nine, almost nine more uh, percent of their third downs since Tannehill took over. They just look like a better team, I mean, offensively. Uh, Ravens. Oh, boy, Breach. Glad you got here for this one. Ravens 49, Bengals 13. We gotta get through this one quickly. Uh, the Ravens covered the minus 10 and a half point spread. The, oh, the Ravens covered the over 44 by themselves. Lamar Jackson was a monster. 38 fantasy points. And he had Ryan, maybe the best run I've seen all year from a quarterback. The best run since last week when he ran all over the, the Patriots. That, that moved down the left side of the field against the Patriots where he pushed his blocker into the Patriots and pancaked that defender. But yeah, that the spin move in the middle of the field was disrespectful to anyone who has ever lived in the, in the city of Cincinnati. Nick Lachey? Except Nick Lachey okay. and his brother. What's his brother's name? Drew. Drew Lachey. They're okay. fine. Everyone else should be ashamed and embarrassed. <laughs> Ryan, uh, Joe Mixon had a good game. There's that. Ryan Finley was second in, in rushing yards. I should tell you all you need to know about the Bengals. I mean, Ryan Finley looked terrible, but there's really not a lot you can take away from this game just because the Ravens offense dominated. The Ravens defense, I think, only had two sacks, and that's the the one sort of Achilles heel. They're not a great pass rushing team. But Lamar Jackson, the running game, when they take over, it, it doesn't really matter. So, yeah, I mean, this isn't a surprise. I think the biggest surprise is that they won by as much as they did. I said on the Friday show with John and, and Wilbur that I wasn't sure the Ravens would cover, but I was sure they were going to win. 
Uh, they were covered in the first quarter, and that was that. Um, are there any positives, John, if you're Zach Taylor, to take away from this? Here's the call, the Lamar Jackson touchdown run. It's a second down and three. Jackson takes it himself. Look at him turn back and forth. Oh, he broke his ankles. Now he's got an entourage, and he's got a touchdown. He is Houdini. What a play. 47-yard touchdown run by the magical quarterback, Lamar Jackson. Kevin Harlan is so good at his job. And Kevin Harlan's the best play-by-play announcer right now. He's up there. He's yeah. awesome. Um, but to answer Ryan's question. He won with Jim Nance. Just so you know. Nance won and then Harlan, right? Yeah. Uh, to answer Ryan's question, <laughs> no, there is not a single positive anything you can take away from this game if you are the Bengals. The Bengals are so bad, the Ravens literally use them as a scrimmage to work on new fun things for their <laughs> offense, to put on film so other teams have to worry about it later. They ran the option the entire game. They ran a triple Heisman option with Mark Ingram, RG3. They put freaking RG3 in at running back. That's when you're not taking your opponent seriously. And he gained 12 yards. And he gained 12 yards. You're just experimenting so that people have to worry about it later. And on the Bengals, for the Bengals, I'm glad you mix, mentioned Joe Mixon, Ryan, because who's trying to establish the run when they're down 30 points? I'll tell you who, the Cincinnati Bengals. Of course you're going to run for 114 yards because the Ravens aren't expecting you to run when they're up 35 to 10. They're just giving you those yards. So I don't know what Zach Taylor was thinking. The only even mildly encouraging thing I would say is that Ryan Finley looked better in the second half. But that's not saying much because this is a guy who threw a pick six and lost a fumble for a touchdown. Uh, so literally anything is better than that. Uh, so I don't even know where to go next. The Bengals, let's just give them the number one pick now because there's no way they're winning a game. And in good news for the Bengals, the Dolphins won and the Jets won. Mm-hmm. Yay. I got a uh, Lamar Jackson fun fact. <laughs> I'm nervous for you, but go for it. Well, it's courtesy of Warren Sharp, so you can crush him, too. Today, Lamar Jackson became the first player in NFL history to post a perfect passer rating in multiple games of the same season. Uh-oh. John, John's shaking his head as he takes a swig from his uh, Gatorade. Unfortunately, I have to fact-check Ryan's fun fact. Uh, and oh, we actually no. debated this here today, and it turns the out – Second player. Second player, and the, Ryan's going to be ashamed here. I he see it now in the comments was Benjamin Roethlisberger of Ryan's Steelers, and it happened wow. in 2007. But I do love that there's only happened twice, and both are from AFC North quarterbacks, so it's only a matter of time before Andy Dalton and Baker Mayfield do this. You this is why you it. called out the per- the original person who, who put out the fun fact, so you don't take credit yourself when you're you wrong. You guys want a fun fact, AFC North, though? Yeah. Ryan Finley is the oldest quarterback in the AFC North by that eight. That's a fun fact. Yeah, he's very old. That's a fun fact. He's been around for a while, yeah. And yeah. he's a ginger. Only ginger that's, to be a quarterback. That segment did not go well for Ryan. <laughs> or Warren Sharp. <laughs> I mean, Ryan, it is fairly embarrassing that A, it was in the rundown, and B, it was your quarterback. And C, it was like 10 years ago. It's not like it was like 1942. Okay, boomer. <laughs> <laughs> Nice recovery, Ryan. Um, reach great. Give me a grade on our Ryan Finley. Uh, I would say D plus. It wasn't, uh, you know, like you can't expect 
much from a rookie going up against a 7-2 and two team. He was basically being thrown to the wolves, baptized by fire, whatever euphemism you want to use. But again, he did eventually settle down, and I do think it will be more interesting to see what he does against the Raiders next week. I mean, the Bengals are like a double-digit underdog, uh, but I expect him to be much better in Oakland than he was against Baltimore. Fair enough. Uh, by the way, John Harbaugh said he surprises you talking about Lamar. They'll be watching that run for decades and decades. That's one everybody's in the country is going to see by tomorrow afternoon. That was something that's rare. Um, Zach Taylor asked about Lamar Jackson. Said their quarterback is the most dynamic quarterback I've ever seen. I'll be interested down the road to see how other teams try to stop him. I'm going to go eat some play doh. How about you try to stop him? How about that? How about you not look for other teams to do it? Uh, or how about you watch that film from the Chargers game uh, in the playoffs last year? And, and real quick on that, 538 wrote a story. The Chargers used all their defensive backs in that playoff game last year. Only Teams have only done that for four snaps this year before this week. Hmm. Hmm. So hmm. no one's using the Chargers <laughs> blueprint from last year to stop him this year. Because nobody has... Four DB, 42 DBs. Browns 19, Bills 16. I called it, baby. The Browns got a win. Everyone doubted them. Everyone doubted me. Take that, losers. Suck it, haters. When it, it, the, uh, the Browns pushed, actually, minus three. But if you got them early on in the week, you got them at two and a half. The under hit on 42. Josh Allen was actually the top fantasy performer with 24 points. Uh, that is in large part because his Sean likes to point out he ran for a touchdown. He's the best running back on the Bills. Uh, 22 of 41, 266 passing yards. John Brown led the way, five catches, 77 yards. Singletary had eight carries, 42 yards. And uh, Josh Allen had two rushing touchdowns. Um, big day for, for Allen in that regard. Um, Sean, do you buy that the, the uh, Browns can put something together here with an easy schedule and, and a big win on a Baker Mayfield fourth-quarter game-winning drive? He finished 26 of 38, 238 passing yards, two touchdowns. Nick Chubb was great, 20 carries, 116 yards. And Kareem Hunt was actually pretty effective, four carries, 30 yards, seven catches, 44 yards. No. I mean, I don't, I don't, I mean, let's see what they do against Pittsburgh. Um, because if they beat Pittsburgh, I guess maybe. I mean, they're, just, they're already in such a big hole. And I mean, you just read Baker's stat line. Uh, he should have been picked off at least twice in that game, and he was. They were bad throws. There were ducks, and they were dropped. So I don't. I didn't walk away from this game being encouraged by Baker. I did like how they used Kareem Hunt, though, and I'll give him credit for that because they signed him, and the entire time after they signed him, and we knew he was going to be suspended, and he had the hernia. It was like, are they even going to be able to use him? They have Nick Chubb, and be dumb to not use Nick Chubb as much as they should be using him. Um, but they actually used his skill set, which he had in Kansas City, which is his ability to catch passes. And um, I do like that addition for the offense. And Odell Beckham only caught five passes, but at least he was targeted 12 times. And they were very noticeably in a couple red zone sequences throwing him the ball in the end zone, even though it didn't work. So you can see them at least trying to fix their issues but at three and six they're in such a big hole and with the ravens already running away with the north i don't really see how they could make a playoff push but let's let's see them beat the steelers and then we'll talk but that steelers defense is so opportunistic right now um with the way they're you know taking the ball away that i feel like we might get a baker mayfield disaster at one point the browns had gone nine straight plays from the goal line and had not converted that is not great a couple (laughs) things to come out of that at one point uh, Brinson, do you know who called that game you seem to know who all the 
play-by-play announcers are. Whoever called it made this point. Said you don't have 12 plays on the, on the call sheet, so you can't keep calling play. You have to convert at some point inside the five-yard line on the goal to go situation. Oh, you know, I think it was uh, it was uh, Andrew Catal- uh, Catalog. Wasn't it? Okay, you tweeted out something that he had said, I think, also. But yeah, that was a, a funny point, if nothing else. And um, at one point, they got called for a false start. I think Chris Hubbard did, and they moved him back. So at least Freddie Kitchens didn't even have to go for it; he could just kick a field goal. Uh, but in the first series, where they didn't convert uh, on the four plays, they kept running the ball. I angrily tweeted, "Why are you running the ball? Because the Bills are so much better." Uh, against the run in the past, and Sean very kindly pointed out that I had that backwards. They're actually, <laughs> they're actually better against the pass than the run, so it made sense to run the ball. Um, to which our, our, our my NFL editor anyway, R.J. White pointed out he's on this podcast on Fridays. That makes it even more embarrassing for Freddie Kitchens that you can't even run the ball against a horrible running team, and you don't even come close to scoring. So. That's sort of what I said on our YouTube show. We do a YouTube exclusive. It's just we look at early lines. You can go to YouTube.com slash CBS Sports and check it out. Uh, Breach wasn't on any big time to us, but um, we, one of the Browns are one of the things we looked at. The Browns are minus three against the Steelers on Thursday night. That's insane to me. Um, I like the Steelers in that spot. And, you know, I pointed out, too, that, like, even though this, this is my concern. I like the Browns as one of my best bets this week. But I was worried that the Browns were going to go into this game and that they were going to try and feed Odell Beckham. And they did that. They threw the ball his way 12 times, even though he's being covered by Tredavious White, like smothered by him. He had five catches for 57 yards. Jarvis Landry had nine catches for 97 yards and a touchdown. And Chubb was getting whatever he wanted. He was, like, running like crazy. His yards per attempt is is lower than it should be because of those goal line carries. I mean, he was shredding them. And, and Freddie Kitchens is a poo-poo head who doesn't know what he's doing. Yeah, you know, it's funny, friends, because I felt the same way as you. I felt like the Browns were going to win, but it was that little con- little guy in the back of your head saying, that was a dumb pick because you know what's going to happen. Freddie Kitchens is going to blow this. And as Ryan just said, that almost happened. Can you imagine if the Browns did not win this game, uh, how crazy everything would be right now? Cleveland would have imploded on itself, the whole city, not just like the Browns. We would all be roasting Freddie Kitchens. He'd probably have to fire himself tomorrow. I mean, it would have been an utter disaster. So this was a huge win that Baker Mayfield was able to bail him out. And, uh, you know, you guys already hit all the key points. It was surprising that they couldn't get in from the one-yard line on multiple, multiple, multiple chances. And, Brinson, you mentioned the Steelers game. This is only the third time in the last 15 years that the Browns have been favored over the Steelers. Just period. Whether home or away. The all time, it's like the weekly, like pants crapping moment from Freddie Kitchens. That, like, each week, like, it's a new thing. It's like, we, I was like, what is this? It's like a thing that a coach has never done before. And it's, it's amazing. And, like, each week, whatever he does is, like, worse than what it was the week before. He called timeout with three seconds left in the third quarter and the Bills up at the line of scrimmage on a fourth down, blatantly trying to draw the Browns offside and letting the clock run down to the end of the fourth quarter. It was so stupid. That it led to Andrew Catalan and James Lofton speculating. They're like, well, maybe the wind will shift. And they're worried that he's like, no, they're like, maybe Freddie Kitchens is trying, like, they're just trying to throw the guy a bone. They're like, maybe <laughs> he, he's trying to freeze the game here in the third quarter. He doesn't want to rotate sides of the field to make it more difficult to kick. And they're like, now those flags are not moving up there. <laughs> it's like there's like no wind whatsoever in the stadium. Um, and, and then look, Ryan pointed out the the red zone thing. They uh, let's see, it what happened was uh, I think Nick Chubb ran uh 24 yards down to the the, the Buffalo one yard line. At that point in time, uh, Baker Mayfield forced a pass into Odell Beckham. 
There's defensive pass interference. Then Nick Chubb ran off the right side for negative one yards. Then he ran off the right side again for one yard. Then Baker threw another short pass to Odell Beckham. There's defensive pass interference from Javis White. Then Nick Chubb ran another one to the right side for no gain. Then Baker threw an incomplete pass. Then Nick Chubb ran on the left side for no gain. And then he ran on fourth and one on the right side for negative two yards. That's how that's what they did from the one yard line. It's so terrible. Freddie Kitchens sucks week week in and week out. It's unbelievable. Um to your point about the the squeaky wheel theory with Odell Beckham, next gen sats, Trey White shattered Odell Beckham. Uh, for 53 of Beckham's 63 snack, uh, snaps, and according to PFF, Trey White forced more incompletions, five, than he allowed receptions, four, to, to Odell on 11 targets. Good stuff. So, uh, yeah. the, the Bills a lock for the playoff reach? No. Oh. I, I mean, their schedule is easy, but we were just talking about, look, you have a lot of teams on their heels. They only have a one-game lead on the Steelers, the Raiders, the Colts. They're one and a half games ahead of the Titans. So you basically have, uh, what is that, five teams kind of fighting for two playoff spots. And all of a sudden, this was, a, you know, if the Bills get this game, you could argue that, hey, look, this is the team that you would feel really good about their playoff shot. But now, I don't know, because I could see that they're playing the hottest team in the NFL right now, the Dolphins, who have the longest winning streak <laughs> in the AFC East. Then they have to play the Broncos. That's not a gimme. Then they have to play the Cowboys. And then the Ravens. I mean, this schedule looked easy uh, like two weeks ago. But now it's like, wow, they could go one and three in their next four games, and that wouldn't be shocking. So I don't think they're a lock anymore. Yeah, I, I agree completely with you. And uh, like we said, the Steelers are right there at the sixth seed. The Raiders are playing well. The Colts are still right there. Titans too. So I, I think somebody might catch them. It's crazy how quickly that flipped. I have a fun fact, but I'm worried that – I was looking at the fun fact, and I'm worried Brenton might have already said it, so I'm going to take a bit of a gamble here. Brenton was talking about that goal line sequence. The Browns were the first NFL team in 26 years to run six plays from the opponent's two-yard line or closer and not score on a single possession. 26 years since it last happened. I didn't say that. Um, it's been 26 years since we got to a break before uh, <laughs> before 45 minutes, but we're going to do it right now. When we come back, we'll rip through the rest of the NFL games on the schedule. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Bears 20, Lions 13. Oh, man. About time. Sean Wagner, McGuff's team got a much-needed win. The Bears, <sighs> Bears covered whether you bet on them before or after Matthew Stafford was announced that he wouldn't play. Jeff Driscoll gets the start. Uh, he comes in and plays for the, uh, the, for the, for the Lions. 
They were two. My the the Bears were minus two and a half earlier in the week. They were one of my best bets. Uh, that jumped up to six and a half when Stafford was ruled out. No surprise. The under easily hit uh, thirty eight. Final was twenty to thirteen, and really the Lions are putting up garbage time. They did they did have a shot there at the end, Sean, to potentially win it. Uh, tri- your boy Trubisky. He's not my boy. With twenty four fantasy points, he was the top fantasy performer in this game. Yeah, and credit you know credit where it's due because we spent a lot of time railing on him. Uh, he was actually pretty good. Uh, he started off really poor, but in the second half, um, there were a couple throws where I, I said this on the YouTube show. I looked up and I was like, did they put someone else in that quarterback? Like that was a legit insane throw. Um, and he had two or three of those in the second half. I mean, now the question is, can he sustain it moving forward? And I'm still skeptical that he can, of course. Uh, but he does get the Rams this week and the Rams have not looked nearly as good as they have all of last year. Um, uh, and Jared Goff arguably is playing worse than Trubisky right now, at least if you just look at the last game. Uh, and I will, I will also give Matt Nagy credit because the Bears offense started off slow the same way they had started off slow every single game. And it looked like it was going to be the same, you know, the same disaster that we've seen the last couple of weeks. And they had a fourth down and one inside their own 30 and he went for it. And that seemed to kind of spark the offense a little bit. So I'm glad that he was at that point. Like, you know what? We've got nothing to lose. We might as well go for it. And it worked. And the, uh, the defense played okay. But again, if Stafford plays in this game, I think the Lions win this pretty easily. Mm, maybe. Cool. Cool. Uh, any anything, <laughs> anything breach or Brian on, on the Bears? Nope. All right. But all right. Uh, I got a trivia question for you. I just thought, so I thought somebody jump in there. Jeff Driscoll. That no, is, that was my answer. That that was my answer to your trivia question. Former Bengals wide receiver. Who was the last Lions quarterback? Other than Jeff Driscoll, or to start a game besides Matthew Stafford, Eric Kramer. That's a good guess. It was 2010. It was. Uh, anybody know who was the Lions court? I I don't know the answer. To oh the yeah, Dan Orlovsky. Was, it, was it Matt Castle? He played for the Lions. Ryan, I think he did play for the Lions. Ryan just wanted to point out that he was on a flight with Dan Orlovsky one time. Been talking to you, bud. That's how he left. Yeah. Sean Hill. Oh. Um, One more trivia question for you. Now that Matthew Stafford's uh, consecutive uh, start streak has been snapped at 136, first place, first place is pretty easy. Do you know who number one is? Philip Rivers. Philip Rivers. Oh, is Russ not up there? Do you know who number two is? I'll say Russ again. I ding, no, ding, 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 ding. Sean got it. Russell Wilson, number two. Good job, Sean. Do you well, know he, who, he hasn't missed a start in his career. Do you know who number three is? Uh, it is... Uh, Not Andy Dalton. No, he got benched. <laughs> uh, I don't, actually. Wilson, you got a guess? What? What? Who did... I don't. Can I help pay the rights? Kirk Cousins. It is Kirk Cousins. Oh, he's played really? more games than Tom Brady in a row. Uh, we're talking about active streaks. Yeah, that's what I mean. When's Tom was suspended three years ago or something? In 2016, yeah. Okay, good job, Kirk. And uh, Tom Brady wants towards ACL, Ryan. Just thought you'd know. 2008, Bernard Pollard. And uh, Andy Dalton was actually number three right before he got benched. He was at 77. 
But because he got benched, his streak is over, so he is not number three. All right. to see it. Well, Sean's guess was good. I'll give him some credit. Thank you, Breach. Packers 24, Panthers 16. Packers cover the minus five. The under 49 hits. Aaron Jones goes ham again. Finished with 27 fantasy points. He, uh, he was excellent in the receiving game once again. Great in the run game. Finished with 13 carries for 93 yards. Three touchdowns. Yeah, so actually, you know what? He wasn't very good in the receiving game. What am I talking about? He didn't catch any passes. Um, Devontae <laughs> Adams is back. I, I think he caught passes. I swear to God. Um, I watched that whole game really closely, too. He just didn't get two passes. All right. I'm an idiot. Uh, Rogers, 17 to 29, 233 passing yards, no touchdowns, but no picks. Devontae Adams, 10 targets, seven catches, 118 yards. Looked to be back in good form. Um, for the Panthers, Kyle Allen, 28 of 43, 307. One and one. Christian McCaffrey goes over the century mark again. 20 carries, 108 yards, and one touchdown. Um, DJ Moore had nine catches, 120 yards. Curtis Samuel had a touchdown catch, and Greg Olson, eight catches, 98 yards. I, I thought it was a good effort from the Panthers, and they were just a little overmatched on the road in a tough place to play in really tough conditions that didn't fare well for a team trying to come back, frankly. It's almost like uh, the Packers didn't lose to the Chargers last week. I wasn't even thinking about that game. Until the very end of this game, I was like, oh, oh my God, this team somehow lost to that sorry team last week. They were hungover. They were, yeah, they didn't go out on Friday and Saturday night this week in Green Bay. Started snowing. Maybe they, they wanted to stay warm. But, um, the only thing I wanted to point out, and, and some Packers, uh, excuse me, Panthers fans were angry about this. Um, when it was 24 16, the Packers, uh, Ron Rivera, the coach of the, the Panthers, went for two. And some Panthers fans were angry about that. Why didn't he just kick a field goal, make it a one touchdown game? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter when you go for two. You can go for two again if you don't get it. He wanted to make it um, easier for them. Make it 24-18, win with a touchdown, and, and go on your way. Didn't happen. I, I didn't care that he went for two. It was still an eight-point game. They had a chance to win it there at the end, and um, they were like four inches away from making that happen. That was a solid explanation, Ryan. It sounds like you weren't very happy that he went for <laughs> yeah. two, though. No, I had no issue with it. Fans were – like people were tweeting that they were – they thought it was stupid. Well, you know, the thing is that, like, you play the analytics, obviously, but uh, here's the thing that I thought was weird is that if you're going to do that, because the whole idea is you, you play to win the game. Uh, is, who said that? Herm Edwards? <laughs> so, like, you go for two. It's 24-18. Now, if you score again, you're going to win 25-24. But if, if you're saying, hey, you're making that decision. This is this is what the greatest thing about sports is. You play to win the game. So if you're going to say, hey, look, I made this decision based on analytics, how I don't know how you make that play call that they made because they ended up, what is the analytically smarter play on a two-point conversion? Giving the ball to Christian McCaffrey or letting Kyle Allen uh, run around and try and throw a pass that ended up going incomplete? I think there's a disconnect between the analytics and the play calling. And once you sort of get those two things meshed up, because you see a lot of people go forward and forth on one, and then everyone gets angry when they call something stupid. I don't disagree with what you're saying. I just feel like if you're going to do one, at least think about part B of uh, of your plan to, to go for it. Yeah, because they, they, well, they played the odds on that last play of the game. They could have thrown it on second and goal from the Packers, two on the final play. But no, they said, hey, Christian McCaffrey's our best chance to score, and it didn't work even though it was really, 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 really close. Uh, by the way, 
Aaron Rodgers said after the game, I know Christian is a very talented player. He's been mentioned in the MVP race. So maybe it's time to start talking about Aaron Jones. Okay. We can talk as, about him. That's an MVP? Yeah. He's a, he's an MVP on that team. That's no doubt about that. I think he leads the team in receptions because Devontae didn't come back till last week. Would you like to hear sound of Aaron, uh, a crazy Aaron Rodgers throw? <laughs> you can actually hear the throw. Let's do it. Reaction from Rodgers. Sideline. That was ten to seven. Aaron Rodgers down the sideline. I think the thing that I take away from the from from Rodgers um, and and how he's played is that like this team keeps finding ways to win, and we've only seen brief spurts of Aaron Rodgers' ceiling. And I think if they get to the playoffs, he's going to be able to rip off a couple of games. Like he's going to have one of those magical playoff games where it's like f you, right, Sean? No, I'm smiling here because. It's been eight, ten games, and we really haven't seen outside of maybe two games of Aaron Rodgers playing very well. We didn't see it last year. So at a certain point, can we just maybe acknowledge that Rodgers is not the quarterback he once was? He's still very good. He's still great. But he's not at that quarterback level before where he was like a god. So I, I just like if we keep holding out like, oh, eventually it's going to happen. Eventually he's going to do this. I don't know if it's eventually going to happen. Sean. Faux clown. <laughs> And what about that defense once they get to the playoffs? What about it? I would be more concerned about that than Aaron Rodgers. Oh, and like I'm not they're I think they they're going to win the division and they're obviously a playoff team. I'm no, not, not angry with like, you. I'm, I'm legitimately concerned okay. about the defense. What about right, let's what about Kyle Allen and the Panthers? Are he's he's good. I think he is good. He throws downfield really well. He he played a he played a really tough game, especially that last drive. Made a lot of tough throws. I mean, you can win. Clearly, you can win with Kyle Allen. They've won with him. So, it's a tough place to to win. It was cold. Uh, Kyle Allen, where did he go? Coastal Carolina? Uh, no. What? No. A&M. Yeah, he went to A&M and then transferred to uh, Houston. Oh, okay. My point is that he's not used to probably playing in the snow. Hey, you're not a college guy. That's the, yeah, you're not a college for you. I can remember where <laughs> Kyle Allen went. Coastal. Okay, Boomer. Coastal. <laughs> he, he did turn the ball over twice. As is I'm that sure I mean, could tell us. Yeah, the whole point is that he's a warm weather guy. He's not used to cold weather. <laughs> I, I suppose that's because he went to coastal Carolina. Do you know where coastal Carolina is? On the coast of Carolina. Wrong. It's exactly. Just you just get I mean, done. You just get done. Uh, I, I'm sorry. I don't know where coastal Carolina. Well, then shut is. up. I'm just trying to make the point that he's not used to playing in cold weather. I don't understand why that's so preposterous. We just provoked Ryan there. No, you just it doesn't make sense what you're saying, and then you don't even know what you're talking about, which even furthers my point. I like Kyle Allen though. Does anyone think the Panthers can still make the playoffs? Yes. Whoa. I think they're – I think it's, it's tough. The division. They're currently ninth. The Ram, they're behind the Rams. The Rams are terrible. They're behind the, the Eagles. They're good. And the problem is then they have the Seahawks and the Vikings. And, like, I don't – like, so when I say they're probably not a playoff team, I don't think that's an insult at them because I think they can get the nine wins. It just seems like in the NFC there's going to be one or two teams, whether it's, like, one team in the south and one team in the east, that are good, but they're just not going to get in. Saints losing the Falcons at home was a big deal. Well, let's get to that. Falcons 26, Saints 9. What, 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 what? 
hell happened? The Falcons covered the 13 and a half. They hit the money line too. The under 51 and a half hit, which means the Pick 6 podcast parlay died an early death. Matt Ryan, 18 fantasy points. He led the way. This is a surprisingly stale game. And it was just very bizarre to see. Like the Saints could never, uh, could never really get going breach. They, they were just bad. Drew Brees, 32 of 45, 287 yards, no touchdowns, no picks. Alvin Kamara, four carries, 24 yards. Latavius Murray, five carries, 12 yards. This is the worst defense in football. And um, somebody named Hill had 20 carries for the Falcons. Matt Ryan, 20 of 35, um, 182 yards, two touchdowns. Fewest points at home breach for the Saints since 2005. Yeah, mm. I don't know if Dan Quinn called up Sean Payton last week over the bye and said, hey, man, I might get fired if we lose, so maybe go easy on me, because that's what it felt like. There is no reason this Falcons defense would have just – this defense has been abused all year, and there was no reason for them to be able to come out and do what they did to the Saints. I mean, the, the Falcons' defensive line was just toying with the Saints' offensive line. Drew Brees got sacked six times, uh, and we know Drew Brees can't run around. He's almost 40 years old. He is 40 years old. When you start hitting him on every play, that takes its toll. Jer- uh, Grady Jarrett had two and a half of those sacks, and this was just utter domination. I mean, there is no other way to describe it, and I really thought this was the most shocking result of the day. I mean, Brenton, you picked the Titans over the Chiefs. We have people pick the Browns over the Bills, the Vikings over the Cowboys. This is the one that absolutely no one saw coming. And so is this like – how do you rectify what the Falcons did on defense? Did the, did the Saints just fall asleep at the wheel here? Or did the Falcons – did Dan Quinn somehow fix things by moving his wide receivers coach uh, to the secondary? Yeah, it's one thing for the Falcons' offense to go off against a really good Saints defense. That's fine. You have Matt Ryan, you have Julio Jones. Um, you have Calvin Ridley, but Breach is exactly right. So the Saints had their third game this season with zero touchdowns. I know because of Teddy Bridgewater to to those games, they only they only had two such games combined uh, from 06 to 2018. And this is the first time the Saints have scored fewer than 10 points at home during the Drew Brees era. I don't know how you make it this. The only thing to sort of follow up on what Breach was saying, and maybe do we know if Dan Quinn is on the Sean Payton coaching tree? Because that would follow up into my conspiracy theory. Because otherwise, I don't know what what happened. Or what if Dan Quinn, what if Sean Payton doesn't want Dan Quinn to get fired? (laughs) Playing the long game. There we go. Um, yeah, I mean, I think this is just tough because this is a chance for the Saints to basically put away the division. I mean, three games up, like the the Panthers would have to sweep you. And it's also for home field advantage too because we've been talking a lot about the Niners and all of us have felt like said, oh, we like the Saints better and we feel like the Saints would probably be the team that gets home field advantage. And this is the kind of game you can't really blow if you're going against an undefeated team. This is, this is every game where you might like cost yourself a bye. This right now they're third. They're third now, yeah. The Packers are second. I mean, th- that would be a big, big problem if they lost – uh, they lost a bye, and again, you point out home field too is, is massive for the Saints. Well, just winning the division period, Brinson. You mentioned the Panthers. They, the Panthers and Saints still play each other twice. And yep. if the Panthers were to sweep that, like you just said, but also you look at their schedule, everyone circled these two Falcons games as gimmies. So, like, hey, the Saints can get home field advantage. Well, now they have to play the Falcons on Thanksgiving, and based on what happened in New Orleans, they might lose that game. So, and then they play the 49ers after that. So, all of a sudden, the Saints schedule, it's like, uh, this team might only go 10 and 6, even though they're 7 and 2 right now. Yeah, the Buccaneers, uh, coming up next, that's on the road. They've always sort of struggled in Tampa with Drew Brees, it just feels like, anecdotally. Uh, the Panthers at home, 
at the Falcons, 49ers, Colts, at Titans, at Panthers. That's not an easy schedule. I mean, that's, that's multiple, um, that's three outside, like, southern games. It's going to be, like, hot. You know, who knows what kind of weird weather you'll get. So the Saints could be in trouble there. Uh, certainly uh, warrants watching. Um, Dolphins, 16. Colts, 12. Somehow, Sean was assigned to watch this entire <laughs> Ball game and provide breach grades for it. So good job by you. The Dolphins obviously covered the plus eleven. The under hit. By the way, if you uh, if you hit that um, if you if you money line parlayed the Falcons and the Dolphins, congratulations! You're a you're a rich psychopath. Um, Ryan Fitzpatrick, twelve fantasy points. This was about as sluggish a start as you could possibly see, Sean, from the Indianapolis Colts. It was one of the worst football games I've watched this year. And I watch a lot of Bears games, so I'm uniquely qualified, I would say, to, to say what is a bad game. This almost put me to sleep. Luckily, I have two TVs, and I was able to keep it just on one TV. Humble brag. The pace was just – okay, missed your five TVs. Um, the pace was excruciating. Neither the quarterback – this wasn't – we talk about how Ryan Fitzpatrick is good enough to win some games, but this wasn't a case of Ryan Fitzpatrick playing well. Ryan Fitzpatrick was terrible in this game. The difference was Brian Hoyer. Uh, because early in the game on the Colts' first possession, he threw an interception in the end zone. So that cost the Colts at least three points, and then the Dolphins turned that into a field goal. And then at the end of the first half, Brian Hoyer threw an even worse interception, and that led to a, a Dolphins touchdown. They were up 10 nothing, And then late in the game, Hoyer threw his third interception. Uh, I mean, I, I just don't, I don't know if the Colts are a good team. And... I know it's one game and you don't want to overreact because we, again, we just saw the Falcons beat the Saints and this happens in the NFL every week, but I think they have a point differential plus one now. They've barely been squeaking out wins over teams like the Broncos. Um, who else have they beat? Um, so I don't know if they're good. I, I mean, I'll say this is I don't want to be too hard on Frank Reich because he's down to his third quarterback and it's, it's Brian Hoyer. He got one good Brian Hoyer performance a week ago. I don't think it's, um, it's probably asking too much for him to get two straight Brian Hoyer. Um, good performances, and lastly, I'll say is that a week ago when Hoyer did play well, I was wondering if maybe Jacoby Brissett's success was more about Frank Reich and not uh, not himself. Uh, and now, after watching this, I'm convinced Brissett has a lot to do with it because this was pitiful. The Colts. Think the, oh, go ahead. I was saying the Colts have played nine games this season. Every single game has been decided by one score or less. They're a coin flip team. I was so, going to say I don't think the Colts are good. But they could very easily be seven and two. They should have beaten the Steelers last week, and Vinatieri breaches boy honked the, the game-winning field goal. This week he missed an extra point to make it. It would have been sixteen thirteen, and they wouldn't have had to throw that pass short to Eric Ebron on fourth down. They got to kick the. Was, that play calling at the end was like I love Frank Wright. I think he's a great coach. That was bizarre. I mean, they just kick the field goal because you don't miss an extra point, you can tie the game. They also but, right. called timeout before the fourth down. They had three timeouts, so like if they yep. didn't get the fourth down. You were at least going to get like a punt back and get a shot at something. It would do like you could the same thing with the, with the Cowboys. I'm not, I'm not suggesting they should have done this and like they would have been killed by Twitter if they did it, but like you could have kicked the field goal down four points. Like you kick the short field goal and then you kick off like you have the three timeouts. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm not, I just think the key is you don't burn the timeout. So if you don't get it, you can still get the ball. Right, right. But yeah. yeah, I mean, the point is like, you've got three timeouts. Like you don't, you don't need to call. I mean, I get it. Get your, get your best play in, but don't throw short of the sticks. And if you're going to do, if you're going to go on fourth down, you know, you're going to do that. Throw short on third down. Like Naeem Hines was wide open in the flat and they could have hit him. He would have. I'm just laughing at the NC State guy. He should have thrown it to. 
No, I mean, he's, he's a running back who's wide open in the flat. If he hits uh, it in the flat, it's, it's fourth and five, and he can convert it more easily. Uh, hey, Bruce, John, oh, I was going to ask John. About we the, talk about this every three weeks. Who, who should the, the Colts sign once they force Adam Vinatieri to retire? Cody Parkey. Because, look, here's – this is – a serious issue now because you're the Indianapolis Colts. You look at the playoff race. The Colts are five and four. They're tied for that sixth spot. Adam Vinatieri has now literally cost you three games. The Chargers game in week one, the Steelers shank last week, and this game where they would have been lined up to potentially send it to overtime. Uh, three games where this team could be eight and uh one, eight and one, if Adam Vinatieri, if they had any competent kicker. And the thing is, Adam Vinatieri is a Hall of Famer, but you got to sit him down and be like, Adam, maybe it's time to retire. We got to bring someone new because we can't do this every single week. So it's just somebody in that organization. I know you don't want to do it to a 47 year old future Hall of Famer, but somebody does need to sit him down and just say, look, if you can't fix things because, you know, it looks like you had it figured out, but you clearly don't. We got to do something. And uh, maybe you bring in Cody Parkey for a trial. I don't know. Uh, but one other thing, I do think this was the worst game that Frank Reich has coached since he's been with the Colts. He was treating this like 2017 Eagles, like he had Nick Foles. Like, you can just magically win with your backup quarterback. Frank, you had Brian Hoyer. You did not have T.Y. Hilton. You did not have Paris Campbell. So you're down your two top receivers, and you had Brian Hoyer throw the ball 40 times. Are you kidding me? If you've got your backup quarterback and your top two receivers out, you know what you do? You hand the ball off to Marlon Mack until the Dolphins stop him. So I just thought this was a horrible, horrible, horrible game plan. Uh, so, and obviously Hoyer's just doing what he's told and, and you know, he couldn't do it very well because he threw three interceptions, but it was just mind blowing that Frank Reich had him throwing ball after ball after ball with all the injuries they're dealing with. The Dolphins have more wins combined than the Redskins and Bengals. That's sad. I'm sad. <laughs> and I, the good news is they're still the number four seed in terms of picks next year. They were four last week. They're still four because the, uh, the Giants lost. So the Dolphins be worried they're winning too much? Yes. Well, they've, here's, already, they've already won too much. So <laughs> they have the fourth, the fourth pick, but Houston now gives them the 26th pick, the pick they traded for Larry Tunzel. The Steelers are now – 22nd pick that they have from Minka Fitzpatrick. So not, those are not have a single top 10 pick, but that is all done somehow. That, I think I, I'm fine with it though. Like I think these these type of wins, like people. Well, why trade Laramie Tunzel and Minka Fitzpatrick? Then just keep them. Those are two awesome players that you know are awesome. Yeah, I'm with you there. Um, the Dolphins have covered in five straight games. I just want to throw that out real quick. Yep, the Dolphins are covering machines, and uh, they are. Uh, what's the line for the Dolphins next week? Who are the Dolphins playing? Playing the Bills, I don't know. What the six and a half boy dogs are the Bills. Get out of here! <laughs> Hammer the dogs. That's a lot. Yeah, that's too many. Um, the Steelers took care of business, seventeen to twelve over the Rams. The Steelers are an under team now. They cover the plus four and a half. They went outright. The under forty three and a half hits. Mason Rudolph somehow your top fantasy performer in a game that was mm. sloppy as hell. Ryan. Would you like to explain to us that we're idiots and you were correct about the Minka Fitzpatrick trade? Oh, I thought you were going to say I should praise you for your call on the Steelers getting red hot. Oh, um, oh yeah. yeah Minka Fitzpatrick is my fantasy. He should be the most fantasy point getter in that game, I feel like. He's your fantasy. He's my fantasy <laughs> point getter. Most fantasy point getter. Yeah. You really have a way with words, Ryan. Thank you very much. I'm only a writer and a, a talker of words. Yeah, so here's the deal. And I talked about this on the YouTube show. The Rams suck. 
The offensive line is a shambles. <laughs> they lost their center in the first quarter, and that had a huge impact. They already were pretty banged up on the offensive line. I'm not even going to blame Jared Goff because I don't know if he's good or not behind that offensive line because he was harassed the entire game. T.J. Watt went off, but Dupree went off. We talked about uh, Micah Fitzpatrick, who had uh, another interception to end the game. He had another fumble return for a touchdown. He is legit in the defensive player of the year conversation, which sounds bonkers. But that defense is the only reason the Steelers have won four in a row now. They're five and four, which is nuts. I'll be happy if the Steelers win eight games. That's all I'm shooting for. They're at Cleveland, at Cincinnati, Cleveland, at Arizona. So all those games, I mean, if they went four and oh there, there's probably a 25% chance. It's not outside their own possibility, but again, eight and eight, I'm fine with. But, um, Mason Rudolph, they don't want to throw the ball. And here's the big issue with the Steelers offense. Defense, I have no issue with. Steelers offense, too many stupid drops. Too many stupid penalties. And then um, what else? There's one more thing. Oh, the fumbles. I swear to God, I don't understand what they talk about during the week, but it is not how to secure the football. <laughs> they give up so many fumbles every week the exact same way, and it makes me want to pull out my beard hair because I'm not bigger on my head. But um, defense, thumbs up. Offense, just get out of the way. I would actually – I used to joke about the, the – um, the Browns back in the day with Derek Anderson when they were terrible, they should just have Josh Cripps line up behind the line of scrimmage 20 yards because he was so good at returning punts. The Steelers should just punt every time they get the ball and let the defense sort of score the points for them. Brinson is actually seeing ghosts. You all right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Spaced out. Wake up. Yeah, there's a noise outside the house. Uh-oh. It's like 1.30. No, no, it sounded like a truck coming through the neighborhood. It's just 1.30 in the morning. It just seemed weird. So, uh, it's the murder truck. <laughs> Probably not. Um, and Cooper Cup, I don't think had a catch. I have to double check. But for the most part of the game, he did, I don't think he was targeted a bunch. I don't know if he ended up with one, but for the most of the game, he was no catches. Play. Yeah. Yep. No catches. That's huge. Uh, Sean, what's up? Rams. They yeah. Did. Football Good? team. Bad. What do you think? They suck. I don't know if they suck, but we just talked about how like the Panthers, I don't think can make the playoffs. And I think the Rams are kind of in the same situation. Um, I think they'll get to around eight wins, maybe nine, uh, but they're not good. I'll say that much. And they're clearly the third best team in the division. And I see the point where I think the Cardinals would give them a decent game. And Ryan kind of hit on it. The offensive line has deteriorated so much from a year ago, but that was the precise concern that we had when the Rams gave Jared Goff this big contract was we knew the offensive line was going to decline. We knew Andrew Whitworth um, was going to potentially retire soon, and he's certainly old, so he's going to decline just his level of play. And we questioned, would he be good enough to overcome that? And I think most of us thought no. And then you add in the fact that suddenly they're paying Todd Gurley all this money, and now they're paying Jared Goff all this money. How are they actually going to rebuild all these problems? And they're really no counting graphics. on – Right, and they're really counting on those players, Jared Goff, to be able to overcome and offset those issues, and I've never thought he's been good enough to, to do that. And this season is proof of that. You don't want to write him off yet. And I guess the, I was going to ask you guys, how concerned are we about Sean McVay? Um, because he his offense wasn't good in the second half of last year, was not good in the playoffs, and has not been good for most of this year. And it's kind of funny that all these teams went out and hired all of his assistants, and now it's like after two years – Are we sure sure Sean McVay is really good? Um, And 
I guess the last thing I want to say is it really, to me, makes it seem like it makes you appreciate guys like Andy Reid um, and Sean Payton, guys who have good offenses and always do for the last decade, um, because it shows that like Sean McVay was this boy genius for two years, and now the league has kind of figured him out, and you kind of appreciate the guys who've been able to do it for so long. Yeah. I mean, I would say that Sean Payton and Andy Reid, obviously, they adapt to change in whatever the league's right. throwing at them. I don't think Sean Payton has done that. He, I mean, it, I think it started in the Super Bowl last season when the Patriots just shut them down. But we have seen them slowly get worse, which Sean mentioned started kind of last regular season. And it's been weird that they haven't really adjusted. McVay's just been kind of saying, I'm going to keep doing what has been successful for me, even though it's not successful anymore. And obviously some of that is on the offensive line. And one thing I do want to say about his decision-making, because Brenton mentioned this in the Colts-Dolphins game, like how, hey, the Colts could have kicked a field goal theoretically because they had all three timeouts with uh, under a minute left against the Dolphins. The Rams had the same situation. There was a minute 25 left. They had a fourth and 10 from the Steelers' 30-yard line. It's 17-12. If they try the field goal and they hit it, it's 17-15. You have all three timeouts left, so you kick off to the Steelers, and Ryan, well, the Steelers have gotten a first down. They would have run three times for zero yards. Yep. There you go. And then the Steelers, <laughs> were, the Steelers obviously wouldn't do anything. And then the Steelers would have punted back to the Rams, who then would have just needed a field goal to win with Greg Zerline, who can hit from 60 yards. So I thought it was weird that they went for it on fourth and 10 uh, instead of trying the field goal. I will say this. The Rams did not score an offensive touchdown. They had uh, a defensive touchdown to start the game 15 seconds in. They had a safety, which is on the defense, and then they had a field goal. And the only time the Steelers moved the ball was the next to last drive um, where they marched all the way down the field, and Chris Boswell kicked a field goal to make it 17-12. But other than that, the, the last drive, they ran the ball three times for zero yards, allowed the Rams to use all three timeouts, but they literally spent four seconds a game clock, and the Rams had two more chances to, to make it happen. The very last series was the – Make a Fitzpatrick interception to, to wrap it up. Here's the uh, uh, drive drive charts for uh, Sean Mc, genius boy Sean McVay's. Just uh, count the number of punts because you keep reading punt, them. We'll punt, 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 <laughs> fumble, punt, missed field goal, interception, interception, field goal, punt, punt, turnover on downs, interception. That was a horrible fake punt on the turnover on downs. And, and let's not forget <laughs> yeah. that they brought Blake Bortles in that, for the third down. That entire sequence was – one of the worst sequences you'll see from any team because it was Jared Goff gets blown up on one play, bringing Blake Bortles. He botches like the snap and handoff, and so he just has to run it himself. And then a fourth and short, they bring in their punter, Johnny Hecker, who we like to joke is the best from quarterback the 20, in LA. They're on the 29 yard line. <laughs> and he throws an interception. But it was like <laughs> obvious. That, well, I mean, it wasn't obvious because they, they walked him up. They like lined him up in the punting formation and then walk. It wasn't a fake. Yeah. They, they walked. You knew he was throwing the ball before yeah, the ball snapped. It was a one man pistol. He was like eight yards behind the line of scrimmage. It was weird. It it doesn't and the weird thing about McVay right now too and like look he's a good football coach we know that but he doesn't make you keep thinking he's going to come out like this is after his bye week you know you think he's going to have adjustments ready or you think he's going to come out after halftime after a bad first half and make adjustments he just doesn't I will here's the thing like they made they they sort of played faster and they sort of rolled out Jared Goff I don't know how I don't know who I don't care who you are if you have 1.5 pass blockers I don't know how you have a chance. They had one drive that went more than 40 yards. Their offensive line is doo-doo. Like, how do you combat? Like, I can't blame Jared Goff. I don't think Jared Goff, Goff probably is really good, but behind that line, you have no idea, no way of telling. Because yeah, it's only like the Deshaun Watsons and whatnot can overcome that, and obviously Jared Goff is not on that level. And Brenton mentioned the drive chart, eight punts. That is the most punts 
the Rams have ever had in a regular season game with Sean McVay. Mm. Mm. And the second mm. time in um, Sean McVay era that they haven't scored an offensive touchdown. All right. It's the first one against the Bears. Yep, that's right. Last year. Um, Bucks, Cardinals, Buccaneers thirty, Cardinals twenty-seven. Cardinals cover the plus five and a half. The over fifty-one and a half hits. Kyler Murray finished with thirty-one points. Um, what do we think about Kyler Murray? James Winston. By the way, James Winston since two thousand fifteen, ninety-three giveaways. That was the graphic that Fox showed at the very beginning of the game, and I made sure to tweet it out and tag Dan the Weatherman. Suck it, Dan. You are so vindictive. You remember I talked last week about how people got up on Twitter? I haven't actually looked at any Tampa weather, just so you know. That was all a gag. You should – don't be angry. You're the angriest person I know. Just just log off, Brenton. It's okay to log off sometimes. Yeah, why don't we wait for 45 minutes? I'm going to troll you for three hours for making me wait five minutes. Okay, Boomer. <laughs> <laughs> um, what do we think? What, uh, what do you think? Would you rather? What, what, what do you think about Kyler Murray so far, Ryan? Love him, love him. Um, he's he's playing well. I think Cliff Kingsbury's finally loosening up a little bit. I think the first month of the season, he he didn't quite know what to make, make of the NFL. He's a little tight. Love to call punts and goals. yeah, kicked a lot of field goals. But uh, Kyler Murray, three hundred twenty-four yards, three touchdowns, one interception. I think that one interception came at the end. That was his first interception since September, I believe. Yeah, the he, rec- he had the record. Yeah, so he's been playing extremely well, and I hate to say it, given that they drafted Josh Rosen last year, number 10, but Steve Kime did the right thing by taking Kyler Murray. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll see how it turns out. I want to say one thing about my boy. Andy Isabella. Andy Isabella. You have that stat in front of you? i got to find it real quick. No, he's been, tar- he he's been a- targeted five times this year, uh-huh. and he's caught five passes. Let me get the numbers exactly. And, and the takeaway is, hey, throw the ball more often to Andy Isabella, your second-round pick. Who is a baller? Let's see. Here it is. Six of six targets, 174 yards for one touchdown. So how about you throw the ball to him more often? Because every time he gets the ball in his hand, he usually has a uh, a long run. Um, the only other thing I wanted to point out, and maybe John can speak to this, they had the the Cardinals had the best fake punt of the day with Andy Lee. Do you see that? Oh, John? yeah. yeah. That's crazy. The end around, like the flea flicker? Yeah, end around flea flicker to Andy Lee. He threw a bomb down the sidelines. And I, I remember who caught the pass. But it was it was a it's, somebody, that play happens once out of a million times. But I was happy this was the one time it worked. So whoever was calling the game was like, "That's an absolute dime." Or no, no, no. It was maybe the Cardinals tweeted out. They were like, "Andy, like uh, Andy Lee threw a dime." It's like that was a, it was a fine pass. It was literally an arm. He punch. kind of underthrew him. He as under- the receiver, bad, yeah, he yeah. badly underthrew him. Yeah, it was insane. And I think Vera Cooper caught it. Uh, who would have thought though that Cliff Kingsbury is out there drawing up plays for his punter? I mean. You expect wild plays from him and give it to Kyler Murray, but for Andy Lee to have that, kind of crazy. And one thing I'll say about Kyler Murray is that it felt like, uh, I don't know if he got that Jameis Winston interception contact high where you completely blow the game <laughs> with the end-of-game interception, but that's exactly what happened here. Not only did he throw this interception, but it came at the worst possible time in the worst possible situation, and it was the worst possible throw. Murray should not have thrown this uh, and when it happened, the Cardinals had driven down to the Buccaneers' 15-yard line. There was 3.47 left. So you're in a situation where, at worst, you're getting a field goal. The Cardinals were up 27-23 to 23 at that time. Uh, if he doesn't throw a pick, they get a field goal. They're up 30-23. to 23, And now, all of a sudden, at worst, you're going to overtime. Uh, so that interception was just – it was just a total Jameis Winston move. And uh, so Kyler Murray gets the title of Jameis Winston this week. Mm. 
The Bucks are going to bring back Bruce Arians and James Winston next year. You realize that, Sean, right? Why wouldn't they bring back B.A.? Yeah, B.A.'s coming back, but I don't know if they're going to bring back James. It's not like he played well this game. He had two interceptions. Uh, the player I'm worried about, to be honest, is David Johnson, now that Kenyon Drake's there. Um, I know maybe he's still banged up or whatnot, and maybe they're just easing him back in, but he only had five carries um, and, and one, one target in the passing game, too. And against Yes, and against a not good Buccaneers defense. And I do think Kenyon Drake playing so well last week um, and David Johnson banged up in terms of fantasy um, could be bad news for David Johnson owners. Worth noting, too, that actually I guess next year you can't get out of David Johnson's contract, but he only has two years left on his deal. So, like, I don't know that they'll sign him again. Mm-mm. No way. It'll be almost 30 by the time that, that happens. Uh, by the way, uh, Kyler Murray, 2,500 yards, passing yards, 250 rushing yards in his first 10 career starts. He joins only Deshaun Watson, Dante Culpepper, and Cam Newton, only players to do that since 1950. Can you imagine being a Buccaneers fan where you look at them, they're 3-6, and six, they lost an overtime game to the Seahawks, they got hosed against the Titans because of the block field for a touchdown being blown dead, and then their kicker cost them against the Giants by missing a last-second field goal. I mean, that's... The team probably isn't as bad as their record. Who's better, the Colts or the Bucks? Because the Colts could be eight and one. Well, I don't think the Bucks could be eight and one. They'd be like six and three. The Colts would beat the Bucks. I'll take. I mean, the Colts just have a better quarterback than than the Bucks. Oh my god, Brian Hoyer. Yeah. Why you owe my godding? I guess Jacoby Brissett is better than James Winston. Yes. Um, Final game, Jets. 34 or Jets 34 Giants 27 Jets cover the plus three over hits 43 and a half easily 60 points 61 points in this game Daniel Jones went nuts 38 fantasy points he had I believe five passing touchdowns in this game four passing touchdowns in this game thank you for everyone correcting me with your fingers um and he also fumbled three times he fumbled a bunch that's not great Bob and, uh, and, and the defense was terrible for the, uh, for the, for the Giants as well as they allowed Sam Darnold. He went 19 of 30 for 230 yards, one touchdown. Le'Veon, and he rushed for a touchdown. Le'Veon Bell, 18 carries, 34 yards, and a touchdown. Mm-hmm. Um, and apparently John Mara was not pleased after the game and like refused to talk to reporters, was very angry. Any chance breach that this means Adam Gase is donezo? Shermer and I mean, I don't. Two a.m. Sorry, we're all like dead. I don't think it's that great because keeping my eyelids open. We've spent all this time ripping Adam Gase and saying he should be fired, and I think that uh, our editor Kevin Kevin Steimel tweeted out that the loser of this game should be fired on the spot, and that is not actually a crazy thought. They should have added that to this game and made that a thing because you look at the Giants; they've been a total failure. They couldn't beat the Jets, who have also been a total failure. And they might not win a game the rest of the season. They play the Bears, the Packers, the Eagles. I think if they lose to the Eagles and the Redskins, who are also down the road, uh, you get rid of Shermer. I don't think you fire him in season just because it's only he hasn't been there long enough. And, and he started Daniel Jones, so you give him a little bit of a leash. But I do think uh, if they only win one or less games for the rest of the season, you fire him after this year. Um. The Jets, are they going to make a playoff push? No. Oh, my God. It's so funny you say that. You know why? Because you, you've been saying that for a while. But your buddy Jamal Adams thinks they can make a playoff push. So does Sam Darnold. 
Sam Darnold said we need to. We can do it, Adam says. If we keep doing what we did today, we can do it this year. We can go to the ship. I didn't know they call it the ship. <laughs> That's what the kids say, Ryan. They call it the ship. Uh, I stand. I stand, Jamal Adams. Is it a wooden ship? Um, it's it's a friendship. Yeah. It's a <laughs> uh, Darnold also said we need every win from now on. We still got a chance. I mean, if we got on a roll here and went out. We've got a chance at the playoffs. Guys in this, the guys in the locker room know this. And they have the Redskins, Raiders, Bengals, and Dolphins coming up in the next four weeks. Y'all need to quit crapping on the Raiders. The Raiders are good. They're not beating the Raiders. Exactly. I know. I, I like that they beat the Giants barely, and now suddenly they're talking about like the playoffs are possible. But it's, it's in New York, and it's a 10 a.m. Pacific time start. They can definitely beat the, the Raiders. I mean, hey, they, John, did, did the Raiders, did they or did they not win in London? That's different. That's Everybody's got to deal with the time change there. John Gruden gets vertigo, and he's still one. Hey, Ryan. He's dizzy. Hey, Ryan. Yo. You know what is it? 10 a.m. Eastern time? London time. <laughs> Thank you. Um, all right. They get 3-1, and one, and then all of a sudden you got – I mean, they're, they're, they're not making the playoffs, but, like, they can save Adam Gase's job by being respectable down the stretch, I think. Do they want to do sort of what Sean Payton's doing with Dan Quinn but in reverse and not sh- save Adam Gase's job? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wouldn't that By be the way, best interest of everyone there except Adam Gase? Yes, Sean. I do want to point out, since every single week Sam Darnold sucks, the same Giants fans go back and retweet one of my tweets about how the Giants could have had Sam Darnold instead of Saquon Barkley. Well, Sam Darnold just beat you, and Saquon Barkley had one yard on 13 carries. So maybe quarterbacks matter a bit more than running backs. One yard on 13 carries. That's not great. <laughs> uh, Darius Slayton went nuts, by the way. Two, uh, 10 10 Target, 14 targets, 10 catches, 121 yards, two touchdowns. Golden Tate, four catches, 95 yards, and two touchdowns. But yeah, Saquon Barkley, completely ineffective. The third leading rusher on the Giants. Um, his team's not very good. Neither of these teams are very good. Neither teams are very good. You know what was good? This podcast was a lot of fun. Make sure you get all the podcasts every week. Make sure and rate and review. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Any last thoughts before we get out of here? Just kidding. You don't have any time to talk. See you guys tomorrow. Baseball has begun, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today in 5, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Samphill, every Monday through Saturday as we deliver all of your fantasy baseball needs in just five minutes. We'll break down the biggest performers, news, and prospects who could make an impact this season. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. 